Hello and welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch and review and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm back, sounding much better. It's Chris, and I'm here with Patrick. <laughs> Hello. And Steven. Hello. And it must be the season of The Witch, because Allison's <laughs> oh, back. Hey. You got to pick up every stitch. <laughs> Allison with a Y. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Our very special friend. Very special. Welcome. Welcome Thank you. Back, it's so good to be back. What's uh what's going on guys? How y'all doing? Good. We've been doing some fucking horror ass shit. Speaking of witches, mm-hmm. Allison. The Oscars. That's pretty horrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Horror ass shit. That was some horror yeah. ass shit. Yeah. No, you know what? Okay, so we figured this out last night. We missed the opening number of the Oscars, mm-hmm. and then we went back and watched it. And it was pretty dope. Like, Janelle Monet came out in a Mr. Rogers costume yep. and sang, I think, an original song. I had never heard it before. And there were dancers on stage costumed in outfits related to different movies that came out this year and there were two big like horror movie references in the outfits there were people in like us costumes and there were also like midsummer costumes yep. janelle had like a fucking flower crown on at one point i was like all right this is pretty dope reference to a movie that otherwise is not being recognized by this it, award ceremony yeah. when the little kids came out uh before the super bowl wearing the lions jerseys and the titans jerseys Lions, yeah. Lions weren't in the Super Bowl. No, that, that's no. what I'm saying. Yeah, they, they weren't represented otherwise. Right. Oh, they oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh. <laughs> yeah, it's a, totally baffling to me that neither of those movies garnered a single nomination. Well, Not even for like set design, yeah. production design, yeah. sound design. Yeah, the only like even horror movie from last year that got any kind of nomination was The Lighthouse, uh-huh. and it got one yeah. nomination. And, and, and it deserved that award. <laughs> it I mean, Roger so Deakins deserves all the awards, but they, that deserved an award for cinematography. The amount of effort that went into making that thing look the way it did oh, is insane. Absolutely. Parasite is borderline horror, which I was delighted to see it pick mm. up so many awards. But yeah, Midsummer. I mean, say what you will about Midsummer. There's a diversity of opinions about and around this table. We haven't gotten into into it on the podcast before, but it's a beautiful looking fucking movie. Yes, absolutely. Like, gorgeously done. Fucking anyways, yeah, the horror of the Oscars aside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could, we could literally, I know this group could talk about the Oscars but all day. Do that to all you. Day. I love that we've now had two episodes in a row where you just, where Chris just dropped a just sick like deadpan joke about the fictional super bowl and it just went over my head all the time this is a an odd trend now shows how little we care yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, steven what horror have you been fucking watching um i've been watching the horror of my life unfold before me every day Mm -hmm. relatable for the past two weeks as i'm sure most of you have um, no, I've, I've watched some good stuff lately. Uh, most recently, I watched Ant Timpson's directorial debut, Come to Daddy. He's the guy who uh, produced the ABC's Death movies. He's kind of a cult figure in New Zealand. I think he was like 
start he i don't know if you guys know fantastic fest i've always wanted to go but mm-hmm. he he's one of the guys who helped curate that um this is an elijah wood stephen mccaddy movie about a um elijah woods kind of like a young hipster dj he gets a letter from his estranged father who left him when he was five to visit him out in the middle of nowhere in his weird kind of ufo from the 60s looking house it's like the father's day episode of the Holidays. Oh, oh God. He didn't, didn't see holidays. Oh, wait. Which was Father's? I, uh, actually, the I was thinking Mother's Day. The one with Jocelyn Donahue. I don't remember it She gets the call. Oh, yeah. yeah fuck yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, it, is a, it is a very funny movie. It is very well directed. It, it is gnarly as fuck. And... Um, all I can say about it is this is a movie that has a lot of major twists and turns. The trailer really only represents maybe the first third of it. Um, but relationships are tested and things are not what they seem. It sounds dope. I it's, love things from New Zealand. I love Elijah Wood. And I love things about daddy. So I love it when relationships turn out not to be as they seem. Yeah, yeah. So I saw that, um, and then I watched a couple weeks ago. Um, Joe Bagos's Bliss was kind of a hot topic this summer on the festival circuit, and Shutter picked it up. Um, it's a movie about a young kind of a female artist whose kind of, whose career has reached an impasse. She can't finish her latest painting. She's you know she's dodging rent. You know she went from her career kind of escalating to suddenly uh, nobody trusts her anymore. She's addicted to drugs. She's drinking too much. She's partying too much, and she has this creative block, and she becomes a sort of vampire. And uh, her the latest piece that she's been um, confused about what to do with for quite some time begins to take shape over the course of the film. Hmm. It's a very psychedelic movie. It's one of those movies that warns you at the beginning that there are strobing effects, hmm. and uh, I really thought I was going to have a seizure at multiple points. Damn. It's kind of like Only Lovers Left Alive. Um, except it's only, it's an hour and a half. It moves much faster, and it's a it's a hell of a lot druggier. Hmm. Uh, and the last thing is, I finally caught up with the lighthouse. Which I was yeah. very impressed by. I'm gonna go ahead and say it's a horror movie. Yeah. I, I'm tired yeah. of this argument. Uh, argument about any movie. Uh, as I've said before, horror is the only genre that's named for the feeling it produces in the consumer. The lighthouse made me feel horrified it, at many points throughout <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for various reasons and in various early ways. and often. Yes. Yeah, it is a it is a, a singular piece of work. Um, I can't wait to see what Robert Eggers does next because he is so thoroughly impressed me uh, with his two films so far. Yeah, happy to say I finally caught up with that one. You know, for those I... of you who don't know Robert Eggers just by name, The Witch, yes. the fucking the witch. witch, one of the fucking best movies. Period of the past decade. And I love. I want his third film to feature a, a, like in <laughs> an animal that we don't normally like so associate with being quite so sinister, mm-hmm. like on the poster. Because there was, you know, for the witch, we had the black Philip poster, mm-hmm. we had the seagull poster for the lighthouse, and it looked like it was sort of orchestrated to match well with the witch poster. And I just uh. wonder what animal he's going to make me terrified of well, next. I heard um, at one point, and it's been a while, so I'm assuming it's not happening anymore, but he was supposed to do kind of an adaptation of Nosferatu mm-hmm. based. Oh, yeah. On like the like folklore 
um like the very like eastern european um or i guess it's like southern eastern european uh folklore and i was really interested in that but i haven't heard anything else about it which is kind of a bummer because that would have been still shopping it around really it's Mm -hmm. fallen through a couple of times there was a moment where it was like confirmed that it was happening and then it took yeah a while and then we finally got the lighthouse instead which i think was from an earlier script that he'd written with his brother a long time ago yep but i think you know a24 is gonna let him do whatever the fuck he wants which is evident in the lighthouse yeah. i mean i don't know who else would finance this crazy thing there's some wild so, shit in there so i say oh, and yeah. it was a hit i say if he wants to make nosferatu they're gonna let him do i it. hope i hope that happens because i was really excited about that i haven't watched shit so i'm glad that steven's here as usual to to fill us in with the backlog of everything you've been seeing but i did find out that uh the nightingale is on uh hulu oh, I think. oh yeah the it nightingale? is what I'm looking forward to that's, that. Uh, that's uh, Jennifer Kent. From the Babadook, remember? Oh, The Babadook fuck. director, yeah. I'm not okay. going to watch it. No? <laughs> no, because it is... I've heard descriptions of it. I, I know people who've seen it who were just, like, pummeled and pulverized by it. I mean, this is a movie that I'm sure it gets its point across, but I don't know if I can stomach that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard it's very intense. Well, what the hell did we watch this week, guys? Hey, we still got two more fucking chit-chat topics. Okay. Speaking of (laughs) The Witch, let's check in with our resident witch, who's been watching Another Witch on Netflix. Uh, Shock. Um, I've been making my way through season three of Sabrina. You know, it's... uh, I love Sabrina. It's not a perfect show. It's pretty campy it's not a perfect show i watched the first season i liked it a lot but it's enjoyable yeah it's really fun um season three i so far and i'm, I'm pretty far into it i was like on episode eight or nine before i came over here um is is great it brings in uh pagans in this season and i won't tell you what happens there but it's very interesting and not what i would have expected and it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of what the fuck moments i don't know anyways i've been having a lot of fun with it it's i don't often binge stuff these days uh i don't have the time or energy to but this is one of those shows that like i will keep binging as long as it feels worthy god bless god bless chilling adventures of sabrina i I really i I really need to catch up yeah i've heard nothing but good things it's the the only barrier to me is this always pisses me off with any show the first episode is like an hour and 12 minutes and i'm like that's not a tv episode that's a movie and it's an it's more time commitment than i want so it keeps like stopping me from starting i would argue that the pilot is actually the first two episodes you really have to watch the first two ep- the first the first episode ends in an arbitrary place and then mm. the it second does. episode actually f- completes the arc and teases you for what's to come mm. i never it, it is a really odd way to begin a show and actually i did watch the first episode the hour and 10 minute whatever it was and just felt like very confused and it, it's got a it's got really odd like pacing issues and i thought like yeah maybe this gets better i'm just gonna table it for later and it never happened it, so it works itself the time. out i mean yeah. look it's not a perfect show no. it, it's not a it's not a if don't let us talk it up too much you're gonna be <laughs> it's, disappointed. it's fun though it's yeah. fun don't take it too seriously and just like sit back and enjoy yeah yeah i will 
Well, my note for this week is I didn't really watch much horror, but I did uh, have kind of an Amon relevant experience earlier today. I listened to an interview with our good friend Todd McFarlane, creator oh. of Spawn, the first movie we ever reviewed for this show. Oh, what's he up to? On the on the Cartoonist Kayfabe podcast, which is a dope podcast you should the listen to. The Cartoonist what? Kayfabe. Kayfabe. Kayfabe is a term from wrestling. Basically, it refers to sort of the fictional world that the wrestlers create. And if a wrestler like talks about real life or indicates that the fictional character they've created on stage is not real it's referred to as breaking kayfabe so it's like just maintaining your like fictional world so the idea is like kind of they're pulling back the the veil on what it's like to be a cartoonist and talking about the cartoonist but how do you spell kayfabe just to to tie this up in a bow yeah k-a-y-f-a-b-e Okay, fascinating. Yeah, great podcast if you're into comics or cartooning or any of that. Anyway, so they interviewed Todd McFarlane, which was like a holy grail for them. They've been doing this podcast for like a year or something, and they like came up in the 90s when like the Spawn comic was out and was like the biggest fucking shit uh-huh. imaginable. And Todd McFarlane, my God, I've read many interviews with this man and always knew he was like a live wire and, a, and an aggressive personality, mm-hmm. but it is a fascinating interview. He is still just a total kook. He's he's simultaneously like very full of himself but sort of inspiring like he was just like talking about like how to like stick up for yourself and like pursue your dream basically and he i don't know i was fascinated it was a fascinating interview and it's it's funny to catch the occasional hints of his self-awareness but most importantly perhaps for this podcast he's still talking about that fucking spawn movie that he wants to get made spawn jaws movie yeah yeah, he said that he has an oscar nominated person i he i think he kind of intimated that it was a director who he's talking to about and he was like if i talk to this person it's getting made supposedly he has like jeremy renner and jamie fox attached to it they've been in the talk in talks for it for a while which is bizarre and Uh, it's the spawn movie without spawn in it right that's the concept i think like what he keeps saying is that like spawn is like a presence that looms over the movie and that he's in very little of it Mm. so like spawn like appears i don't know like up on the skyscraper in the background or Mm. something is what i imagine people are talking about spawn they're dealing with the aftermath of things spawn has done yeah and they're looking for spawn yeah i don't know i'm, it I'm curious fucking it sounds lame honestly it does but, who, sound lame. but who knows he has such a weird imagination there's got to be something he to does it. yeah so yeah if you you know if you're one of those longtime hardcore amon listeners you heard episode zero 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 <laughs> and you want to hear from the maniac behind spawn go listen to cartoonist kayfabe's interview with that crazy ass motherfucker I think i will well, now that we've talked about shit for, like, fucking forever... I mean, it's it's good that we talked about other shit for fucking forever, because the movie we watched this week is short as hell. I think we talked for longer than the duration of this movie. Possibly, yes. Yeah. What did we watch this week, Stephen? And, and uh, oh, I guess you didn't pick I it. I didn't the pick wheel. it. But, <laughs> I, got, but I got okay. excited. You got excited. excited that the wheel picked it. Ask, ask the wheel. It should be able to tell us. Yeah, like, can it's we a use, like, Amazon Polly to do the wheel? The wheel okay. is, like, sitting over in the corner smoking a cigarette. It's like a, it's like a gremlin now. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we watched uh, The Devil and Father Immort, uh, which is a William Friedkin documentary. I had heard about this... I think it came out in like 2018, 17, something, something like 17, that. 18, yeah. 17. I remember hearing old. about it on Shockwaves and reading stuff about it on the festival circuit and thinking like, oh, how cool. William Friedkin, who, you know, 
probably needs no introduction, but he directed The Exorcist and also Cruising and Bug, two other kind of horror tangentially oh, horror related movies. and the french connection let's not forget yeah. well i mean if we're talking horror you sorcerer. know like how he physics yeah. yeah sorcerer's a great movie it's not horror uh but um yeah a master filmmaker obviously with with the uh, hugely important to the horror genre and i thought oh he's making a movie about an exorcism a documentary how fucking perfect is that this is this must be amazing and so it's weird to see a a master filmmaker <laughs> left to his own devices with a handy cam basically just <laughs> shooting his own movie and putting yeah. together an iMovie or some shit yeah and what you get so the story is uh he uh friedkin is assigned to do an article for vanity fair there's a very famous priest father and mort who's exorcist not, a exorcist. famous exorcist i mean priest but also priest exorcist. Slash exorcist famous exorcist he's done I thousands of exorcisms he's, he's basically the vatican's answer to jay yeah, <laughs> I just didn't know that Exorcist was like a job title. You could yeah. have. I didn't know. There's a statistic. Like it, I thought that was a pure figment of movies. You didn't know, I didn't there know were that real like, exorcists. No, there's the Catholic that? Church like employs exorcists. Oh, oh yes. my god! Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. My mind was wow. blown. But wow. what blew my mind is there's a statistic early on in the film. Um, yeah, that freaking <laughs> delivers in a pretty like you know deadpan way, but it's like. Shocking! It's something like what, like fifty thousand, five hundred thousand Italians are exercised oh, yeah. once a year. Once a year. That was wild. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Freakin is giving this. You know, of course, Vanity Fair is like, oh, we should have William Freakin go interview an actual that, exorcist. That wasn't That's gold. The, quite the background. He was. No. He was put. Into, he heard about this case and he went over there and he, I think he met Father Amart and then came back and was talking about his travels with a Vanity Fair editor who said. Oh. You should write that story. Go back and mm. and you know whatever. And so, so he did. They sent him with a handy cam that we see a lot of in this movie. In fact, we see people filming him, him with filming. the handy cam. Yeah. We'll get into that. We will. <laughs> um, but yeah, it turns out Father Amort is about to perform the a, a ninth exorcism ninth, yep. on a woman named Christina. 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 Of course, she's a woman. We'll get into that too, um, and and that's essentially your movie. That's a statement. That's a statement. Should I get into the statement? Should I just? Oh, I, I, I'm just curious what you mean by that. So I guess we might as well get into. I it. mean, I feel like it's a thing with exorcism stories, which you guys know I'm not a fan of. That it's like always a woman that's being tormented by the demon oh. because she's perceived of as as being like weak of spirit and body, and yeah, so she's and an easier yeah. easier vessel for the demon to penetrate. And I'm like, okay, I get like this is like a big deal because it's like. Her ninth exorcism, but also like there was no attention drawn to that that trope in exorcism stories, and it felt like kind of a missed opportunity for me to explore. Mm. I, I think it just um, it, it was just happened to be the exorcism that was available when Friedkin went over and said, "Hey, let me see an exorcism." Right. Um, I yeah. mean, they do talk about how the exorcism that inspired the Exorcist book was a boy. Was a boy. Yep. Um, so obviously, they're exorcising people of both genders i don't know to what perception but yeah in the real world it does raise some questions about like you know dip, you know maybe how how are women treated versus men mm-hmm. in these situations and you know well when it's women it's always sexualized like i read i i think i mentioned this show on the show a while ago i read this great book called head full of ghosts by paul tremblay that is like kind of a meta text about like exorcism and how it's portrayed in films and you know when you think of exorcisms I, I don't know about you but I think of the classic image of like a woman tied down to a bed yes and mm. writhing and screaming mm-hmm. but let's separate like in the first appearance of Jay yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
But let's separate the the tropes of the fictional exorcisms mm-hmm. from what is going on in this movie. Sure. Yeah, because this uh, movie is not fictional. Well, <laughs> well I, I say that with caution, but like it, it is a documentary first and Basically, foremost. William Friedkin is personally fascinated with the phenomenon of exorcism mm-hmm. in no small part because he gets royalties off of people being fascinated with exorcism. Um, mm-hmm. So he just is launching this investigation to see what it is and capture one on tape and see what it's about. I had assumed that William Friedkin was a devout Catholic, the way he approached is the subject matter he's not apparently he's agnostic mm-hmm. yeah um so he's just he's just fascinated he's, yep. by the phenomenon he, he is mm-hmm. fascinated like i mean you you do have the feeling of i mean as cheesy as his like speeches directly to the camera <sighs> are and that's what's like oh, so grown worthy but like you do get the sense like this is a passion project for him like he's he's like kind of a believer yeah he wants yeah. to believe it, he wants to believe my favorite thing what one thing that i did like about his approach to it was honestly for most of it i really couldn't tell what his take was on mm. it all i knew is that he was fascinated by it and wanted to know more and i really liked that about it yeah i liked how sort of unpretentious he comes off on camera like he's always just dressed in like the dorkiest old man clothes <laughs> and <laughs> belt is always just kind of like a skew <laughs> yeah and i was like okay this feels like a very relatable very human tour guide to this whole yeah, thing very, i enjoyed yeah. his presence at least in the early going <laughs> it's, it's like anyone's dad just picked mm-hmm. up a camera and decided to, you know, go down to the train depot and, and talk to people about the trains. Yeah. It they, happens to be an exorcism. It's so fucking weird, though, that, like, this is a, a master filmmaker. Granted, he's made a lot of shit, too. I mean, it's probably about 50-50 with him. The master filmmaker making the first documentary of his career, and it does feel like my grandfather made a film. It, and I've mm-hmm. never seen a documentary yes, before. It feels like it is... And I think this is kind of a weirdly charming thing about it because it came out in 2017, but it feels like a documentary for the, from the 80s or 90s. Like, it's it's a little bit of, like, unsolved mystery. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. feel to it. That was exactly I was, what I was, was going to yeah. say, I've been, Unsolved Mysteries is on uh, Amazon Prime, and I've been watching oh, old episodes. You used to watch it I, all the time. When I, when I first started watching this, I thought two things almost right off the bat. William Friedkin reminds me of Donald Trump, Oh. His voice. Oh, his you remind voice. me of really? John Voight talking about Donald Trump. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and then I thought of, what see. is it, Robert Stack? Is that the yeah. name we got yeah. from Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah. yeah, I thought of that, too. Yeah. And it just made me want to watch more Unsolved Mysteries. It was just, like, the shots of, like, him in front of, like, a house on, like, a sidewalk. Just, like, very um, deadpan, very dry talking to the camera. That reminded me so much very, of it. Very presentational. Yes. It's so weird because, like, we get this little, like, there's a chunk of the movie that feels like like it's pulled out of a behind the scenes documentary yes. from the exorcist yes. where he's like talking about how they had to like like replace part of the front of the house yeah. and this is where the yeah. steps are totally irrelevant to the yeah. subject matter right. so irrelevant uh, uh, it's like he didn't entirely know what he was doing like he was just like filming stuff for funsies and mm-hmm. then just pieced it together they, at the and end. that's basically what it was yeah. or like he had you know 15 to 20 minutes worth of actual exorcism footage and he needed something to pad out a running time which this still has nothing close to like an actual t- traditional feature length running no. time it's 69 minutes but it's definitely like oh okay you you really need something to kind of like fill this movie out and so he starts with talking about how he made the exorcist which i will say was very interesting mm-hmm. i was like that was cool how and they also, built the it false wasn't front uninteresting on the building. but it was also like so weird that he had like we're gonna 
give you that, but we're going to give you like so little of it. You yeah. know, it's like yeah. this incomplete picture. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I get it. If you don't know who William Friedkin is, I don't know why you're seeing this movie because the whole draw is <laughs> it's William Friedkin who made The Exorcist. Or, they can move on an exorcism, but okay, give a little, give give a little context, I suppose. I mean, so Allison watched this way before we even picked it. Like mm-hmm. I, I had not even heard of this when we picked it. What drew you to it when you watched it the first time? Uh, because I've always been fascinated by demonology and exorcisms i don't really believe in that stuff but it is one of like the few things that genuinely kind of like scares me Mm -hmm. i like it's like i don't really believe in this but also like i'm not gonna touch that or mess with that just in the off chance that for some reason it's real Mm -hmm. um because that should that should genuinely freaks me out and while this documentary didn't freak me out i've seen documentaries before about this stuff that have left me shaken yeah that's more than paranoid can can say yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. uh so i was drawn to it in, in that sense because i i i am drawn to like the supernatural and that is a particular corner of the supernatural that just tends to genuinely like leave me feeling very unsettled yeah i feel the same way about it where like i don't believe in demons but that shit still fucks with me because yeah. i don't know you know and i and i'm afraid to like denounce it too much because then maybe a demon will come <laughs> and fuck with me fuck you know? <laughs> and i felt a genuine sense of dread for i mean I, I felt a genuine sense of like uh i was really interested to watch this movie for that reason i was like a documentary about an actual exorcism oh me too and i felt a genuine sense of dread like building up to the exorcism because he rather smartly starts the movie with a kind of out of context shot of father amort the exorcist walking down a hallway presumably into the room it, where he's going to do this exorcism it reminded me and of, i i, uh, I kind of got chills you know i was like oh let's i'm spooked what's gonna happen i got chills because the first shot reminded me of the first shot of the irishman uh, <laughs> yes because it's just like tracking him down the halls of like what looks like it could be a rest home or yes. something. <laughs> we should probably talk about Father Mort's personality a little bit because he's kind of a he's an interesting guy. He's got a really great sense of humor for yeah. someone who's performed thousands of exorcisms he begins every exorcism by thumbing his nose at the devil yeah, making that, was, that little that was cute that little turkey thing that that kids do yeah on their nose um and he seems like a pretty cheery guy especially for 93 years old or however the fuck especially old he for is. 93 and especially for somebody who just deals with demons all the time yeah <laughs> Yeah, but think he's that like, would get if, him down. If I had a demon in me, that's the guy I'd want because he's not—he ain't afraid of no ghost. And, and there's, <laughs> there's there's people who talk about how he's a funny guy and how he has a sense of yeah. humor, and you see a little bit of it in this documentary. I wish you saw more of it. Yeah. I read in the Vanity Fair article that Friedkin wrote that he liked to say, "Do you know why the devil is afraid of me?" Because I'm uglier than he is. <laughs> it's kind of like grandpa humor, yeah, but it's cute. Humor. Very attractive. Yeah, I kind of agree with what you just said about the lack of his personality. Because I didn't get a lot of personality off him in this. The honestly. problem with this documentary is that it seems like not only was it made by someone who's never made a documentary before, it seems like it was made by someone who's never watched a documentary before, <laughs> yeah. or has never watched Unsolved Mysteries before. There was no panache to this film. It's, no, but yeah. to, to be fair, he had fairly limited access, apparently, 
you know, the, I, I do want to table that for later because there's one part of this movie that frustrated the fuck out of me. Mm. But it, it seemed like he had kind of limited access to like what he could actually like film and mm. and, and and show in the finish. I think I know film. what part you're talking so, about because yeah, it frustrated think, think me too. Yeah. I was yep. very interested in the personalities of Father Amar. I was very interested in William Friedkin, who really has a presence in this movie and, and is a very interesting narrator and his whole demeanor when he's on screen but like i would rather have a third party making this documentary yes, yes. about agreed. william friedkin's investigation agreed i, I want to see what william friedkin says about this shit when he's like in the car driving not when he's like just standing in front of the church or whatever and, he would never and, let it happen though. And, and you would need you know i would or have someone edit it who like just doesn't have william friedkin's interest in like these steps are important to this faith because they were built in 1298. That was a weird part. <laughs> I was like, this has nothing to do with anything. It felt well, like... Well, Father Amort worked there for yeah, a while, but it was still, still kind of irrelevant. The, the steps of from going up to Pontius Pilate's house <sighs> were taken he to also this place. Pontius and- Pilate, which I thought was odd. Well, does anybody know. really pronounce it that way? Not that I know of, but who who's to say we're pronouncing it right either? I don't know. My yeah. my priest could have been wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised Catholic. I mean, I heard I was heard Pontius so, Pilate. Oh, that's I didn't know you were raised Catholic. That's yeah. fascinating. So so does that give demons? I'm any not more... going to have any interesting insight for you. <laughs> like the fact that I was raised Catholic ends at that statement. Okay, it, I don't think it's well, influenced me in, in one way or the other. Well, here's why I ask because I think The Exorcist is a is a decent horror movie. It mm-hmm. doesn't really turn the dial for me, but I've heard that. A lot of people, especially Catholics, are fucking terrified of the mm. exorcist. Oh, yeah. I mean, as a kid, I was terrified at the idea of it. I'd seen little bits of it at my friend Jeremy's house once and just like, oh, no, I can't do that. But I, like, never believed, even when I was young, unless I really wanted something. Like, the only time I ever prayed is if I, like, felt guilty about something uh. or I wanted something. So, like, I never, and I still don't really understand the possession genre because I don't see what's at stake. Like, there aren't any fucking Your demons that can inhabit you. eternal soul. <laughs> right. And I get why, like, if you're a believer, or you have been, or you're, like, on the fence, or you're, like, curious about that aspect of spirituality, how that could be scary. But for me, it just doesn't do anything. It, it, for me, the scary thing is lack of control. It's yeah. um, something that you can't see kind of like a parasite taking you over controlling your actions and not being not having any sense of self-control well yeah and then you know you you forget about the fictional or or the um mythological concept Mm -hmm. of demon possession Mm -hmm. you know whatever this woman who we see in this documentary is going through it seems like she's out of control yeah and it for whatever reason whatever medical psychological supernatural reason she's out of control and you know maybe not getting the treatment that she actually needs yeah. being held in chairs by people and stuff. She is distressed. There's, I think there's uh, could be a gendered interpretation of that to Steve's point, and it's like, yeah, you know, this is this is kind of fucked up. Uh, whether or not there's a demon involved, can we talk about the exor- the actual exorcism? Yet? Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, so, so that's the, that's what you gotta understand. This movie is maybe uh, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of kind of a prelude where Friedkin's talking about the exorcist, the movie, and his interest in the subject matter and, and getting together with this this priest and a, a very long series of interviews with some other Italian couple that 
was exercised mm-hmm. in the past, which mm-hmm. is very yeah. dry. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one it, of them works with a mort now, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. part of the significance of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he can recognize, but it's like unusually dry. You're right, because the guy who works dry, with yeah. a mort is just like unfazed by anything. <laughs> yeah, and he is telling a story that is kind of weird and could be moving or creepy if like the person was showing any emotion <laughs> while telling it. And it's just this long take of him telling this story. And usually, if you devote that much time to a single like talking head interview like you're getting some wild shit out of whatever that person is giving you but no doesn't it doesn't gel in this instance and then the meat of this movie of course is the film of the actual exorcism which is 20 or 30 minutes and you just have to watch it straight through. Yeah, There's I don't no think it, it's, not, it's not 30 it's, minutes. I mean, it's not 30 it, it, minutes, but it's 20 minutes. I think it's 20 minutes. 20 minutes. I think I timed it. 20 yeah. minutes. I mean, forget about 1917. You want to see a long <laughs> take? Watch this. And it's the filming of the actual exorcism itself is fascinating because I I mean, I'm sure that there were like cuts and stuff like that in the filming, but there was also no. There's cuts. Are there? It definitely yeah. cuts a few it, times. Yeah, because an exorcism takes longer than 20 minutes typically. And I, like I've watched exorcism footage before, and it was pretty standard. Do like, they usually feature sound effects like those in this? One? So <laughs> yeah, you mean I just to like talk her like, that. like yeah, that? like what the? F- why would he do that? Like I like no, that's the sounds that people make. There is uh, Wait, like, yes, who, I I know what Steve's trying to say. It sounded like in some of her demonic outbursts, it sounded like there was a filter put on oh, it yes. after yeah. the fact. Yes. yes. And it seems obviously manipulated. Mm-hmm. And I guess the only rationale for it, I don't think he's trying to bullshit us, but I guess maybe he heard something in that room that didn't come on the tape because it was all actually he only heard it because of the power of suggestion oh my god it's so fucked up so like he was trying to present the subjective experience of being in the room rather than what he was actually purporting to do with his camera i don't know which the whole idea is to show us the naked truth of this moment right well, and actually, sorry, i believe that her voice I, sounded I like that i thought that, that was her voice. actually was a thing because i mean let's look at this documentary it's not very high tech so why would he take all of that time to manipulate the audio of just her i i I don't think and i've as somebody who's also watched other exorcism footage audio stuff like that that's supposed to be quote real like the sounds that she's making though they sound completely insane and completely unreal are pretty common with that kind of stuff. It was stuff. distinctly like a digital effect sounding thing though. Like it didn't it's like impossible for the human voice to sound like that. It almost sounds like it's on like another audio track. Like it's isolated from everything else when she's screaming. I felt the same way. It felt manipulated to me. I you know, I'm not an expert. Who knows? Maybe it was in the original footage. It, it did strike me as having been manipulated. Um it does sound like it, but I mean, it I sounds know. unnatural yeah. for sure. But and I thought it. I, I think it's for real. The yeah. quality of the rest of the recording. I mean, it's certainly the only supernatural element of this yeah. scene. Yeah, otherwise. it is. So it's like this. <laughs> this. Uh, this. In my opinion, the footage lives or dies by like how you handle that sound. Because it, otherwise, I don't think it's terribly interesting. Well, yeah, it the exorcism itself yeah. is fairly mundane. I mean, it's a lot of praying and a lot of like the person being half passed out and a bunch of people praying over them. And every once in a while, they scream and they writhe and they 
speak in potentially other languages. <laughs> and then know? they come back to normal, and then they start to freak out again. Yeah, and then everybody's yeah, yeah. yeah. Back I mean, down. that's how it goes typically. Um, it's not like it is in the movies. Yeah, when it, I mean, like I said, I had this great sense of dread about watching this scene, and then when it got to it, I was kind of like, "Oh, this is it." Yeah. I mean, it's literally just like her sitting there and writhing and being held back and growling and, on and a saying like really ridiculous basis. things, like 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 I'm in league with Satan or we are <laughs> legion. Satan, I think. we are legion, yeah. and, and subtitled. Like so yeah. yeah, unless you speak Italian and Latin, who knows? Um, I don't know. I this the, I was interested at first, and then I started to get bored as hell, and. I would recommend to anyone watching this movie, unless you're super interested in the in the in the blow by blow, just fast forward through this after about five minutes. It's all the same. Yeah, really. Huh. Yeah, that's, that's my take. I, I, thought, I, I would I would say the same thing. I yeah. thought everything around this footage was much more interesting than the actual exorcism footage. Yeah, I think it's also important to show what an actual exorcism looks like, and it's kind of fascinating to see that from some, the person who created the exorcist. So our m- modern concept our like concept as a society of what an exorcism looks like he created basically Mm. and then he is also now showing what an exorcism typically really looks like which is kind of boring like if uh, steven spielberg took his camcorder to the aquarium (laughs) (laughs) sharks swimming around yeah yeah (laughs) it's like if james cameron made a movie about deep sea diving oh yeah (laughs) i was i I mean in a way i was actually fascinated by the mundaneness of this scene like it was really interesting just seeing all these like old catholic people standing around the room like her family and friends i guess just muttering prayers and being like totally unsurprised by anything that was going Mm -hmm. on like no one i was i i just started watching people's faces to see if anyone just like even flinched or looked up suddenly when she would like start roaring or whatever N- nothing like everybody's just like stone face no, it was, practically it was like any other ritual it's like watching a confirmation or a communion or something they're yeah. just all sitting yeah. around praying and the whole mm-hmm. the whole family's there the there's gotta family. be 30 people in this room right yeah. and which leads me to wonder too if like there isn't an element of um of these exorcisms that isn't performative you know we're oh, like it's like oh my whole family's absolutely. worried about my legitimate mental illness but we're religious so they think i'm possessed and if everybody's watching me i better put on a show i mean that's a very very common Common belief, yeah. especially amongst non-believers, of course, is that these are people who need help and who are trying to seek attention and care. And the only time they're getting it from their family and the people around them is when they, you know, are like, oh, it's the devil. And they go through this. And it's supposed to be a very cathartic experience, mm-hmm. supposedly, for these people to just be able to fucking writhe and yell and yell profanities and like threaten people i mean that sounds great to me (laughs) i i mean i can see the appeal yeah honestly like man get a bunch of people in a room around me where i just get to like fucking act like i'm just absolutely off my rocker and not myself and just and they're not gonna judge you for it through some stuff yeah you know it's kind of like a form of therapy yeah yeah and it's uh there's a there's (laughs) a mass i mean obviously i don't 
really believe in the actual literal demonic possession here. I wish I did. I'm fascinated by the the concept, but I don't think it's real. Uh, sorry, but um, who are you apologizing to? <laughs> myself, I guess. <laughs> but um, you know, just having that many people—it's like a mass delusion sort of thing. It's like yeah. the, the power of suggestion has to be so strong, especially mm-hmm. if you have some sort of compromised mental state anyway, where it's like, yes, the devil's inside you. Thirty people are just chanting at you about how the devil's inside you. It's like it's like a it's like a like a when a stage magician like hypnotizes somebody, you know. And it's it's cool because the documentary does touch on where this phenomenon may come from and the power of belief and the power of what you've been raised to believe, and that's how people people deal with things in the way that they know how to. Um, And it does talk about that, and it does talk about how like clearly these people are going through something you know but maybe (laughs) they're possessed because that's what they know and that's what people around them are telling them and and i mean like this woman there are only a couple of brief interview shots with her she looks haunted yes like when she's just speaking to the camera under normal circumstances not during the exorcism i'm just like oh boy she's going through some shit. you have seen some shit you know i want to see her climb up the wall (laughs) yeah i mean me too so after the exorcism uh william Friedkin returns to the states and embarks and documents a little bit of an investigation into you know medical and religious explanations for what's going on and i thought that was a little more interesting um but but when we get before we get into all that though uh why don't we review it and then we'll go down to the spoiler room and we'll talk about uh the the results of that investigation and uh you know maybe a little follow-up situation he had with the uh, possessee the possessee i love it <laughs> i want to write a movie called the possessee <laughs> <laughs> who wants to go first uh, fuck it i'll go first uh screw it i think you probably could have figured that out from the beginning i mean this movie it's it's like i don't know it's a little sad to me honestly freakin's a really brilliant guy i've listened to a ton of interviews with him over the years and and uh he's yeah this just isn't a good it isn't a good look for him this feels like this would have been better served as i think chris nailed it if there had been a third party you know that could separate a friedkin from like the vision of the documentary it would have worked better as it stands it feels like a blu-ray special feature Mm. and it's got it's got about the same quality it feels like a blu-ray special feature made by like a young amateur like 22 23 year old horror fan you know trying to trying to make a mark or something um it didn't freak me out i i found it i'm standing by it we can argue to the death but the vocal manipulation during the possession scene like finally was like the final nail in the coffin on this thing for me where i realized like even like the tiny moment of this that is supposed to look like the naked truth it rings completely false or it feels like it's not interesting enough to scare you so he had to add another layer to it to try and trick you it's, it's it's bullshit. Disagree. It's a hung jury, though. It's, it's bullshit. Yeah. Two, this is my time to review. It's my time to review. No, no official can... <laughs> verdict on the vocal manipulation. Yeah. I just told you where I stand, and I will find confirmation of that online somewhere. Yes, Prove get back wrong. to it. This show's yeah. not about being right or wrong, but be right about this <laughs> you just wait all right i'll go next because uh i want to ride on those coattails a little bit i'm gonna say screw it as well for most of the same reasons uh steven mentioned it's not to say it's not an uninteresting documentary um i thought the parts around the exorcism footage were 
at least somewhat interesting. I thought what Friedkin was trying to do was interesting. Again, I was compelled by Friedkin's personal stake in this question. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it works as a documentary. I don't think it works really as exorcism footage. Um, and it kind of just made me wish I were watching The Exorcist. So maybe it was the intent. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I say screw it. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't discourage... Some, if you hear what we have to say, you know, I wouldn't discourage someone from seeing it if they're especially interested in exorcisms or if they're, you know, Catholic and especially interested in the question and especially creeped out by exorcism uh, stories. So screw it, though. Interesting. Patrick? I want to defer to Allison, the guest oh, of honor. Allison. Oh, oh Would wow. you view it? Feels so it? special. Would you screw it? I would cue this movie. Um, just documentary. Uh, I, I'm i a big fan of documentaries. I like to watch a lot of documentaries. I thought it was an interesting subject matter. And I appreciated the lack of, for the most part, for the most part, the lack of sensationalization of this. Um, I really appreciated that because I think especially things like you know the supernatural and and exorcisms in particular those that hits a pretty rough place for some people and this was just kind of like it was what we talked about the the sort of mundanity of of exorcism and i liked that it like brought in explanations and nobody was attached seemed to be too emotionally attached to any of the explanations and i really appreciated that um, because a lot of times, especially with stuff like this, you know, and especially when you get documentaries, you try to get, they try to bring in like this creepy spin to it and it makes it cheesy and kind of unbearable. And it was just, it was dry, but, you know, interesting enough. So if you like documentaries, if you like the supernatural, if you're intrigued by this stuff, I would say, you know, if you're like bored and at home and, you know, have a, Get, like make a I don't know bowl of popcorn and like <laughs> sit back and watch this while you like casually you know browse through your phone. <laughs> that is the definition of a cue. It I think you nailed it. <laughs> does it require well an extra? Does it require an extra screen for you to get through? It's a cue. It. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go cue it as well. I don't know. It feels like a weirdly milk toast rating because I feel like I need to make a more like direct judgment on this film because it does do some weird and sort of questionable things, and it's objectively not a good film. Yeah, you know. But it's so fascinating to me that this, you know, acclaimed director who made some of the most iconic movies of all time just created this weird and sort of amateurish little passion project um, and, and did actually get like a unique level of access to, you know, an exorcist conducted uh, exorcism conducted by the Vatican's head exorcist like that's. That's cool. You know, you don't see that every day. Um, and and it's, fa- it's just the oddity of it, the novelty of it was sort of fascinating to me, even if it did kind of start to tax my attention span in its very short running time. So having damned it with that faint praise, uh, <laughs> I will remind you all before we go to the spoiler room to go to everyhorrormovie on Netflix.com, click on the merch store link, and buy our shit. And also go like and follow and share us and subscribe on all the social media and podcast providers. Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N-Cast is where you find us. Allison, it seems like you're familiar with watching Exorcist videos. 
like, yeah. have have you seen videos of real life exorcisms before? Yeah. So th- this movie isn't unique. This isn't the first time someone's videoed an exorcism. No. No, but I'm talking about like specifically the the, the that this guy is yeah. like the top shit the, exorcist, yeah. and that it was apparently like sort of a big deal. And and we didn't mention, you know, he laid out these kind of specific conditions for mm-hmm. Friedkin that Friedkin could be the only one in the room, and that he had to have a single camera and no lighting, no crew. Well, he um, said, "Great, I don't have." Lighting or crew, anyway. <laughs> That's yeah. convenient. Yeah, I'm not sure what freaking being there really brings to this exorcism. I would rather just watch act, like real exorcisms on YouTube without yeah. any of the well, commentary surrounding them. I'll, yeah. bet, I'll bet there's much scarier ones, probably, yeah. than the exorcism because depicted in this. That's what I was thinking. Without editing, without you know, like, I was thinking of like how Dateline even would frame this. You know, they would just cut to the important parts of the exorcism. And if you want, you can go on YouTube and watch the the two hour ordeal or whatever. I mean, um, that's the thing, though. It is edited. Like, I mean, as and I see it's what you're saying. Well, I see, it's right, I see what you're saying. Like, it is really long and should be edited for more punch Mm -hmm. but there are cuts you know and I'm just sort of I'm actually kind of curious about what was left out you know what's the more boring version of this (laughs) exorcism yeah because it feels like you'd be better off if you're interested in this to just go on YouTube and look up exorcism footage yeah and Um, just watch whatever has the most views because it's probably actually unsettling or I would recommend if you want to see uh, someone at the top of his game uh, going face to face with a real monster oh, for, for nine hours. Look up the uh, Ontario Provincial Police interrogator Jim <laughs> Smith interviewing Colonel Russell Williams, a serial killer. I was trying to remember that guy's yeah. name the other day. I'm glad you brought it up. I think this is the second reference you've made to this in AIM on I'm, history. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm still obsessed. Yeah, Colonel Jim Smith of the Ontario Provincial mm. Police, master interrogator. You can look him up on YouTube, find him interrogating all kinds of heinous killers. Most notably, Colonel Williams, is that what I said? Um, who, uh, I thought it was Russell something. It doesn't matter. Are we in the Russell, spoiler room yet? Ru- Russell, no. Russell Williams. <laughs> we Russell need to Williams. get down there. there Russell go. Williams, who, who was killing women on a military base. Fascinating, fascinating. That is, that is great a, shit. That it's is great a, drama. That is like a four-hour video that you just don't want to look away from. Oh, I didn't watch all four hours. But. Uh, well, it does become a little routine after he breaks them, but... Yeah, it's a a view it with prejudice. Yeah. All right, well, let's go down uh, the creepy old stairs to the spoiler room. And we'll uh, spoil. We'll tell you what Freakin' found out. Are exorcisms real? Are demons real? Are you possessed right now? We'll tell you in a moment. Welcome back. We're down here in the spoiler room, ready to exercise the shit out of this movie. We got a camera set up on a tripod. We got Allison tied down to a bed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> to get this real. Is a different, different scenario. <laughs> so yeah, let's let, let's get into it. So so William Friedkin, after uh, Christina is apparently <laughs> safe, but but she's not safe because we see in the footage that like while they're all like all right, he's like cleaning up. She like snaps back into demon mode mm-hmm. right at the end of that session, and they're like, all right, well we'll have to schedule you to come back next week. I'm wondering to what extent is this like a, a, a financial racket for the for the church? 
I gotta imagine it costs oh, money to yeah. get exercised. And you're getting exercised. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, you're getting exercised nine times, or at least you have to put some money in the hat. You know, my yeah. understanding from what I've known about exorcisms and exorcists in the past is that they cannot be paid for those services. But don't they pass around a little hat for the church? You know, for the collection. Maybe, but the exorcist cannot be paid for that service. Okay, well, the yeah, exor- I feel like that would be the, pretty blatantly the, cheesy the for exorcist. the Catholic Church to be like, oh, exorcism, and eh, that'll be. You know, a grand. I well, wouldn't put it past. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going based on the tradition of like how you used to have to pay the church money to get your and to get your uh, you know parents out of purgatory after they died or whatever. Wow. Yeah, that's that's true. So I, and, and just the fact that they <laughs> wow. have to, and just that they have to do these sessions so often. I'm like, um, this is a lot. Of, this is a lot of time for the. There's got to be an upside for the church. The five hundred thousand people going to see an exorcist once a year and they haven't found a way to monetize it. Italy yeah. must be wild. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, the the question in general is, of course, you know, how much this whole thing is just a fucking racket. But Friedkin, uh, so after he gets his footage, he comes back to the America, and he goes to University of California, Los Angeles Medical Center to talk to the top neurologists in the world and apparently shows them, you know, his 10 minute video. And it's like, well, do you think she's possessed or what? And so we're <laughs> treated to these, these little, it, for me, the most interesting part of the movie where you have these, these medical doctors interpreting mm-hmm. what they've been seeing. Long story short, none of them exclude the possibility that there could be a demonic possession going on. Or that yeah, but he's but clearly of exorcism is helping her work something right. out. Right. They don't right. they don't want to like discredit the spiritual practice. Yeah. Yeah, and he's so they clearly don't send anyone. And he's clearly selected for doctors. Like he's not going to show you the doctor who's like, "Yeah, that's bullshit." Like that's not like, what he's I trying to do that, with the movie. I believe that this doctor has worked on Friedkin before. <laughs> that was my thought while I was watching. I was like, they have a personal but, relationship. You know, he says he's like he's like there's clearly something wrong with her, and she, like she needs help, and maybe this is one way she can deal with that. Yeah, but you know, but he doesn't go as far to say like exorcism as a form of removing demons from your soul is a. Is yeah, yeah. yeah. Kinda, but, I thought was, this uh, stuff was all kind of lame because we really don't get much insight from any of these people. So this no. passage was primarily fascinating to me because it just featured some of the most hilariously amateurish yeah. filmmaking <laughs> choices in the entire movie. So we've established that Amort wanted Friedkin to only use this single camera during the exorcism, but for some reason we carry this convention over into these scenes. Sort of. We repeatedly see Friedkin filming with his little handheld digital camera but obviously there's also someone filming him and yes. unclear why we need to have him with his shitty digital camera filming these doctors which then those shots look terrible because they're not really composed at all and frequently the doctors are out of focus or they like extend their hands toward the camera and throw off the focus and the whole thing just looks bad. It freaking looks like he's try- it looks like he's just heard about this guy Earl Morris and his Interatron <laughs> yeah. because he's got he's doing the interview looking at the viewfinder yes. on the camera, <laughs> like, and he looks so serious. Like he's he like exactly the, he's, he's like doing. the guy in American Beauty who's like taking <laughs> videos of everything. Yeah, it's just um, it's. Uh, 
I it made me actually a little bit sad. It, it was, was kind a of embarrassing. Sad. It was a little. I would love. I would love to go to L.A. and just free of charge, follow William Friedkin around and take whatever video he wanted yeah. of whatever weird exorcism things. But for it, a day, it, <laughs> no <yeah>. more. <laughs> but and again, like so. I mean, we say it's sad and embarrassing, and I and I, I agree. But also, again, this is sort of part of the charm for me. I'm like, I'm watching, you know, again, one of the. You know, a pretty renowned director who's made, like, at least two of the most iconic fucking movies in American cinema. Just sort of, like, bullshitting his way through <laughs> making this documentary. It's fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. And but, but then he seems to take a little too much delight in the fact that these doctors are not willing to recommend neurosurgery to this patient yeah. based on a 10 minute video clip yeah that, that's the thing for me is like their stance is clearly we don't have enough information you've shown us this video with embarrassing yeah. audio treatment on the subject's voice and I don't know what <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at I, here I, I don't know I, what I'm I, looking I am at not wow. about to recommend surgery this is going to be like a <laughs> drop dead Fred this, this scenario is a team Fred team sanity yeah. Yeah. thing here yeah <laughs> i just I, hold my, I'm, I'm proud to be team insanity i think she is insane i think that that voice is inhuman team insanity all right team i don't want to say team I mean, sanity because she needs help i mean this woman is not well no no not at all and it, it's interesting because like one Your of the team doesn't even have a name uh, one of the little I'll interviews with her they're like have you like thought about going to therapy and she's like straight up she's like no it's not going to help me my just my like distress is spiritual because the fucking catholic patriarchy has told her right that. oh absolutely it's 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 ridiculous but it's sad and it's also interesting because like they're like genuinely like well have you thought about this other potentially helpful thing and she's like no it is sad <laughs> i want the guy who did the going clear documentary in scientology to make um, i'm serious about this somebody who's like that inquisitive and that level of talent to make a movie about the exorcism racket like mm. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff uh, psychologically and culturally to be mined from that. Mm-hmm. This movie is not the place. What for if? It. What if you're almost right, Stephen? What? But what if one out of every two thousand exorcisms they perform is real? I that I do yeah. want to live in that world. And to be perfectly honest, I don't. And if, and if, and if you <laughs> start going around the Vatican sniffing into this racket, they're just going to open the lamp and push them onto you, and you're going to be damned. Yeah, that sounds like a really fat. You know, I want to believe that there's some supernatural horror that really exists. This will be stigmata too. If that's the price I have to pay, they carry a a glass bottle in their in their doctor's bag for people who ask too many questions, and it has like a real demon in it, (laughs) and they smash it at your feet if you start asking too many questions, and then you start speaking in tongues and climbing up the walls. Love it. I mean, I won't have any control. I won't even be myself. I won't even know what's going on. So, so it's just no another consequ- typical Saturday night yeah, for you. Yeah, no consequences as far as I can see. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I like. I mean, I've called this a racket, but I also hesitate to say that because then I'm like, "Fuck, the demons are going to come for me now." Yeah, it's the like demons the g- do listen to this podcast. It's like the, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, they're far more <laughs> likely to listen to it than devout Catholics. But let's, let's put it that way. It's like the people who come around to your house after a hailstorm and try to get you to make insurance claims on shit. It's like, yeah, one out of every hundred houses was damaged by hail. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. mean it's not a racket, but it doesn't mean there wasn't a hailstorm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you don't need to get your phaeton levels checked out. It's like, I mean, there's the olive oil racket in Italy. It's not to say there's no authentic olive oil coming out of Italy. Of course there is. It's just every, at most, you know, the bottles are counterfeit. This is the first I've heard of the olive oil racket. Oh, you're probably cooking with horse shit over there. Literal horse <laughs> shit. <laughs> well, read a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah gee where have i been instead of reading up on the fucking olive oil racket yeah look it up I'm gonna olive, go home and rethink my life olive oil counterfeit <laughs> um anyway so so from from the hospital oh and then the, he's left uh, he sees a journal article or something that that talks about the phenomenon of demonic possession around the world mm-hmm. and i i think attempts to come up with a psychological analysis of it but his takeaway is I did not know that demonic possession is a recognized phenomenon around the world. This is okay. I I thought of the nightmare in that moment. I was like that that like the nightmare didn't have anything more to say about sleep paralysis than this movie does demonic possession. Yes. Very similar similar yes. takeaway. But like the fact that doctors have like studied it does not mean that it's like he seemed to take away that's like a real the way the way he said that sounded like he was trying to stress that it's a real thing. Oh, that demons like, are really possessing people yeah. and not that. But, like people just believe that they're being possessed and therefore are exhibiting these symptoms. Maybe that wasn't his intention. Maybe that's just how I read it. And that's what he that's said. How he yeah. took it though. He's like, well, if people are studying it, it must be real. Oh, I did yeah. not read it like that at all. Really? Yeah, there was a, yeah. there was a certain credulity to the way that he handled all of this that yeah. was like oddly again oddly charming. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, you're just buying whatever everybody tells you, and. I kind of love it. It's just like your dear old grandpa, like making a a documentary. And maybe yeah. I was just projecting my own like thoughts onto it. But yeah, I didn't get that he like really like that he was like, oh, this means that demon possession is a real thing. I got that. He's like, oh, this is a phenomenon that has occurred around the world and is recognized, and people have recognized this as a thing. That doesn't inherently mean it is actual demons. That means that people believe that there are demons and therefore you know exhibit these symptoms yeah. and there because this one thing and i don't think we've touched on this enough and this because this was stressed a lot in this is that belief creates the reality for these people yeah. um yeah. and that's a really important thing to talk about because i liked that they talked about that because that is absolutely what i think personally the phenomenon is is that people you know live with this dogma and live in this world where they're they're told that so therefore if something starts to go wrong with them or they're not they're not their best selves they're like i am clearly possessed and then that just builds on itself and it, and it does talk about that quite a bit and i yeah. i appreciate that about this yeah. this documentary that's a very good point allison i was fascinated something i wish they i wish they'd explored a little more though agreed agreed I was fascinated by his interview with the archdeacon or whatever of Los <laughs> yeah. Angeles. Oh my god, that, great. that, that was, was so funny. That was probably my favorite part. Of the uh, you movie. know, honestly, same. Yeah. I yeah. mean, talking about belief, like this guy, you know, Friedkin kept pushing him, like, would you, you know, would you perform an exorcism? And the guy is basically just like, nope, oh, nope, not fucking with that shit. <laughs> well, he also says, and he also Friedkin's says, like, well, does that mean you're you're not holy? And the guy's like, I mean, I'm I'm okay, but I, I'm not good enough. You know? <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, to do exorcisms, you have to be really, really holy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very <laughs> spiritually sound. Yeah. This was another guy who, like, I mean, is in such a. I mean, a significant position of leadership, but came off like sort of 
spooked, uh, a little spooked, irre- and a little, a little irreverent, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and not, I guess, as uh, or, professional as yeah. I would have expected. Like I would have expected him to have some more gravitas and more and be more evasive i guess about the questioning mm. but he was pretty much like yeah exorcisms exorcisms fuck no i'm yeah. i'm not close to catholic enough for that shit <laughs> it's interesting wow. because i think like in italy exorcisms are very commonplace and they're accepted as part of the institution but i imagine if like a roman catholic in italy believes in exorcisms then a roman catholic in america also does but we don't have that like framework we don't have that sort of like infrastructure for dealing with exorcisms here mm-hmm. the same way they do over there so i like totally bought that he believes that shit is real and i ain't going anywhere near it mm-hmm. i'm not trained yeah. i don't have the skills i didn't go to exorcism school yeah fuck that fascinating conversation something interesting i saw in um i think it was the Vanity Fair piece was friedkin saying that he's never considered the exorcist a horror movie Hmm. What does he, he consider he it? He didn't set out to make one. He was hmm. just trying to make a, a movie about the power of religious experience or something mm. like that. Well, Blatty, William Peter Blatty, who wrote the book, I mean, he is a true believer. Yes. And there there are actually a couple of short interviews with him in this mm-hmm. that yep. I just, like, totally forgot about. Yeah. And I guess, like, Freakin must have bought it, too. I don't know. Also interviews with that weird guy who's not really introduced, but seems to have written a bunch of books about demons and shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He I forgot was, about him, too. That guy was... He's like... He was like... He belongs on Ancient Aliens or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was amazing. <laughs> he was disturbed. Yeah. He was He was truly haunted. Yeah. But then we get to the, 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 the red meat... <laughs> We get to, oh the, boy. We get to the climax of the film. Oh, oh boy. And, and can I tell you, this pissed me off. It's just, you know, file under extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, or maybe just yeah. some evidence. Maybe evidence. <laughs> Something. Evidence. Um, and it's unclear whether this happened on the same trip to Italy or not. It's, it's put at the end of the movie, probably for dramatic effect. I read this as... I am, I think he does say this that like before he leaves he goes for one last meeting with Christina and her husband right? her boyfriend, boyfriend whatever, although her the Vanity Fair article reveals that it was her her boyfriend and also her mother or maybe the boyfriend's mother but like there was oh a we third, don't hear about it yeah so his story is a little inconsistent there's no here. fourth man in this yeah. uh, this scenario yeah so they go to a church right they're gonna meet in some church in some idyllic part of Italy like where the god they walk in the godfather with it's the like shotguns. a mile climb or something to yeah. get up there well, because they're, the they're supposed to meet her in Rome. No. Where does most of the movie take place? Because she changes location at the last minute. That's part of the weirdness of yeah, the story. Like, they have to drive like three hours out of their way to meet her. They're like, yeah, two or three hours outside of Rome in this idyllic yeah. village. And they go to this one park outside yeah, this church. Yeah, they're going to a park. And it's 120 degrees in the shade. Mm-hmm. And then she doesn't show up. So they call her. And she's like, well, I'm at the other church where she's, we said we were going to meet. Yeah, oh, very right. upset. And so they go across town. I think it's the same town. They go across town to this other church. I mean, like, we should mention, like, this is all relayed by Friedkin yeah. in voiceover. Like none of this is seen or depicted. Right, we're yep. just seeing happening. like stock photos and aerial footage of the ziggurat of this town and yep. stuff. Yeah, like, and Friedkin's this- like. I, would would you believe it? I just didn't have my camera on me this time. <laughs> no, I think he said that he wasn't allowed to have the camera in the church, or that it would be like 
inappropriate yeah. to me. I read it the way Chris did, though. Like, you know, I mean, that's probably like, the case. And even though he can't seem to separate the thing from his fucking hand in the rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so he proceeds to describe uh, William Friedkin's The Exorcist taking place inside this church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Christina's crawling on the floor. The chairs are spinning. <laughs> She's using the voice of legions of devils to demand the footage back or something. I mean, I wish I could say that this was a massive exaggeration, but it's only a minor exaggeration of what he describes. <laughs> and the, the visuals accompanying this are like fast zoom in, zoom out. Sound like statues uh, yeah. in the church. Oh, it's the like camera's history like channel rushing up like, the, like haunted yeah. house shit yes. yeah it's all color corrected to look green as fuck yeah, yeah. it is so it's wild corny. and they're like her her boyfriend like pins him down and like says if you don't give us that footage we'll kill you we'll kill you yeah. uh, so great context from the Vanity Fair article where he relates the same story uh, with some minor variations and uh, he quotes the boyfriend saying if you don't give it back to us meaning the footage we will kill you Satan will kill you we will find your family and we will kill you all and Friedkin says he replies he he looked directly at the mother and the boyfriend and says i'm not gonna bullshit you i'll never give you the video and then he says to his friend let's go we're yeah. done here <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god it's so ridiculous Incredible. because like none of this happened there's yeah, no doubt in my there mind was no need to put that in there you know i had enough respect you know that he like he put together this this documentary that may have not totally like been great but also felt honest and authentic in what he was trying to do and then he adds this little sprinkling in towards the end for sensationalism and it was just it felt really cheap and i was like i'm i don't buy any of this right now dude i, I wonder i wonder if this is the part of the movie that mark kermode wrote. i was just gonna bring that up the the famous uh, I mean, well, I'm not famous. He's not famous. Famous but, to nerds like us. Yeah, I mean, prominent uh, British film critic. And I mean, a brilliant thinker, brilliant film mm-hmm. writer. Um, Mark Kermode, I guess, is a big fan of Friedkin and sought him out to help him write this movie, which is fascinating because the writing is not great. I wonder what Mark Kermode would have said about this movie had he, had reviewed, he reviewed it, it right. under this is the normal circumstances because he he's, he's pretty scathing. Yeah. I have to wonder if that was it. Freakin's like, I don't have an ending for my movie. Write something. <laughs> yeah, write I me mean, some that shit. makes the most sense. Well, it a does. lot of this, for what it's worth, a lot of the movie and a lot of the narration by Freakin is verbatim from his Vanity Fair article, which mm. is credited only to William Friedkin. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. But yeah, so you read the Vanity Fair article and, and it's like word for word. It talks about the Etruscan wall with, that was put together without mortar, like a jigsaw puzzle and, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. everything that he mentions. Hmm. I don't know. But yeah, and that's it. And then how, the, then we have a little few more shots with him talking to the creepy... And then we find out that Father Amort died. Oh, yeah. yeah. He died. That, oh, was, yeah. that was sad, but you know, he was 91, lived a good life. But yeah, I, again, I wish I, he had more access to Father Amort <laughs> because we hear about him. And then, you know, there's a shot of him like getting on the elevator, which is, you know, kind of poignant. It was cute. And it was it's cute like, old man moment. And William Freakin's like, Father Amort enriched my life. Yeah. <laughs> and, <it's> like, <laughs> and changed that's, me forever. And that's the end, right? That's the yeah. End. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I, and the I, shot of the elevator seemed weird to me too because it was. I, I. Well, I mean, I guess it worked for some of y'all, but for me, I, like Father Amort did not respond and didn't say anything. It just kind of like smiled, was, like uh, "Yeah, close. get away from me, weirdo," right? and yeah. like pushed the button, and that was it. I don't. It didn't do much for me. I was like, "Why am I watching this right now?" I would have loved like a feature length documentary about father Amort that yes. didn't have any of these other trappings yes. i want to see yes. yeah. i want to live in father Amort's world for like two hours yes. yeah i want to yeah. hear about more about his life yes you know yeah. and his other his other experiences how he became an exorcist more of that well yeah because they said he fought in world war ii right i think so yeah i want to see the documentary about or the biopic of father Amort in world war ii exorcising Oh, on the yeah. battlefield. Who I want Jonathan Lily. Price to play Father Amor. <laughs> because <laughs> the, yeah. the no. Nazis, as they were taking over churches and shit, were unleashing demons to create demon soldiers yeah. to fight mm-hmm. the Allies. Yeah. People don't know Actually about this part true. of history. I saw it on a history <laughs> channel. But Father Amor and, and his exorcist uh, battalion would would follow up, up the front line and vanquish all the... They, he'd exercise because they were, they were possessing American servicemen. I mean, really, the new Hellboy movie just needed some fucking Father Amort in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, good good, good old Father Amort. May he rest in peace. He seemed like a nice man. Good yeah. guy. Good guy. So, uh, what are we watching next week, Chris? Are we done? Do we have anything else to say about the Father and Father? I always no. jump the gun on this, the, but I don't, the so. and I don't have anything double. else to say. Sweet. What are we watching next week, Chris? Well, it's my turn to pick, isn't it? Or in two weeks from now. Well, with a with a heavy heart, uh, we're gonna watch Polaroid. Oh, I actually really want to see that. I Wait, think why do you say with a heavy heart? Well, I don't know. It's just I don't know. I don't know. Felt like a good thing to say. Um, <laughs> okay. It just came out. It just came out. I think or right. it came out recently, and it's like. Um, Is it for, end? Did film? that? Did that get a theatrical release? I don't know. I, I don't, think because that's from the guy who did the Child's Play remake, right? Is it? I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure know more than I do. I'm pretty sure, and I don't. I think it got buried, and oh. then it just like dropped on streaming recently. All I know is it seems to be similar to the old Goosebumps classic. R.L. Stein's Say Cheese and Die. Mm-hmm. And, That's a great uh, one. It's a great one. I didn't read Goosebumps when I was a kid. Oh, so what's, you the, missed what's, out. what's the premise of either that um, story or well, this movie? Well, the premise movie? of Say Cheese and Die is they take pictures and you see like skeletons in the pictures mm-hmm. and then the people oh, die. Okay. Yeah. Okay, or okay. or probably don't die in the Goosebumps book. They probably come close to mild peril. Gotcha. I mean, it's a, it's a teen horror movie called Polaroid. So, what more do you need mm. to know? <laughs> Looking forward to it. You should you should catch up on some goosebumps though. Get I should. Of, well, okay. This also makes so me good. want to finally watch One Hour Photo, which is not the same not thing. The same not thing. the same oh, thing. Not even close. <laughs> it's about photos and it's a horror movie. Yeah. All right. Um, I could curate a, a small list of Goosebumps classics, and you can read them in like three hours. So yeah. That's, yeah. Or less. I was gonna say. I was thinking like that's like a toilet read. Yeah. Those two, things two are hours. quick. Yeah. Take they're quick. Shit, they're like ninety pages or something. <laughs> yeah. And and it's funny because like every chapter is like two and a half pages, and every chapter ends with like a cliffhanger. It's mm-hmm. like I opened the door and screamed. Well, yeah. and then the next thing is like, oh, I saw my mom and I wasn't yeah. expecting her. <laughs> and this is why Earl Stein is so good at Twitter. Yes, uh, he yeah. basically invented yeah. the forum. But yeah, say cheese and die, the haunted mask, or some other goosebumps essentials. Oh, there was the that. What was the the ventriloquist doll? Oh, night of the living dummy. Yeah, night of the living dummy too. monster blood. Mm. Ooh. Oh. And um, you get diminishing returns, I think, as as they go on. Mm-hmm. But the but the classics, the classic run. Mm-hmm. There was one about like a 
like a werewolf in Pasadena or something? The Abominable Snowman. There's one about um, alien, evil alien eggs. Yes. So those are the only two I had were those two books. One that uh, really got under my skin was like uh, something about the terror of the Tower of Terror. It was the Tower of London. Yeah. They were trapped in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some scary shit, my friends. Stressful. Um, Curse of the. What about Fear Street? Curse of the Mummy. Never fucked with Fear Street. Was too, that was Never, too adult was at the time. Too adult. I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh man, I can't wait. To I like felt the same way. I was like, that was like R rated for me as a you know eight year old yeah, or whatever. I, I think he just brought back Fear Street though. There's a, there's a movie coming out soon, oh, of course. Damn. I did read a lot of Michigan Chillers. Oh, oh. yeah, not the same thing, but not the same thing. <laughs> Enjoyable nonetheless. <sighs> God, well, we always. Say- <laughs> This is like uh, ASMR at the end of the podcast. Yeah. We all just like wind uh, down and let the conversation turn to great. something banal. And well, here, right. hey, here's some real love making for your ear holes. Go get an Amon T-shirt at everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com and follow our fucking social media at Amoncast E H M O N H M O N Cast. And while you're there, instead of trolling us for once, tell us if you're Team Insanity or Team whatever the fuck Stephen is going to call his team. Uh, I'm going to call it Team Reality. Team Reality. Insanity versus team Reality. Insanity and Team Reality. Insanity babies. sounds like a lot more fun. I'm going like to be honest. We're breaking it down here. Skateboard. I feel like we're about to join roller derby teams or, or start Ooh. roller derby teams. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Be, I'll be the jammer. The jammer. All right, guys. <laughs> it's been great, but we'll uh, see you next time when we watch Polaroid. Uh, but until then, uh, we'll miss you. For every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Steven. And I'm Allison. With a Y. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) 